Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jam, are you ready for our topic today? I think so. Let me check. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about how odor absorbers work. Okay, interesting. Like the ones you put in your shoes or... I actually like, like the ones in the you fridge? spray in Febreze. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is a specific type of odor absorbers. I want to do the kind like you put in your shoes uh-huh. at some point, but this one I think works differently. Well, in terms of like usage in my life, I've definitely used Febreze a uh, hundred thousand times more than I've used the shoe ones. I'll tell you that much. Well, interestingly, this episode was inspired because I have the ones that you put in your shoes for my ice skates. Oh, nice. And I was talking to my friend Amber and I was saying, I wonder how these work. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to dive into it. But I found this other one about Febreze much quicker and easier. And I was very excited by it. So I switched gears. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. And the other reason I was excited by it is because a long time ago, I was listening to an audiobook, which I think was about habits. Uh-huh. And they talked about how originally Febreze was a super effective odor eliminator with no replacement smell. It was just uh-huh. the odor eliminator. Uh-huh. And they added in the artificial smells because of something about the habits that people had. And the original product didn't sell very well at all. Once they added in the artificial smells, it flew off the shelf. Weird. And that blew my mind because to that point, I had always thought that Febreze was just covering up smells, Mm -hmm. but actually it's not. And from that moment on, I wanted to know what the chemistry was. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I got started down this path. Okay. That's interesting. I wish I could kind of get a hold of the old one, like the just eliminator Mm -hmm. one to not have a replacement smell. Not, I mean, I I get why people want the, when it replaces, it was another smell. But just for the, my curiosity, I'd love to see how something like that works and test it on stuff to see where it'd be like, okay, there was a smell and now there's not, <laughs> you know? I did go to the Febreze website to see if I could find that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they now have one with no artificial sense and I want to try it. Nice. It might be that they had to use the other ones to get popular and now they're bringing back the original because they mm-hmm. can. Yeah, they might have been ahead of their time a little bit because... People now might be like way into that. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s or whenever that was, people were not. They're like, uh, I'm sorry, I want things to smell good, not just not bad. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I have a distinct now, memory of Febreze like getting big in the 90s, like very distinct memory. I don't know why that stuck with me. <laughs> like I was not worried about cleaning house whenever I was a kiddo, but... And the smells of things. In fact, I was contributing to the opposite most of the time, I'm sure. <laughs> but I have a distinct, distinct memory of the Febreze commercials coming out of nowhere. Just so many commercials out of nowhere. Well, I really don't like the smell of Febreze replacement smell. So I would be so into this. Okay, so let's go all the way back. Okay. To when we learned about smell, which I think we talked about that in the episode about why things smell bad. Uh-huh. So we talked about how we have olfactory receptors. Uh Jim, you called it the olfactory. Oh yeah, the good olfactory. (laughs) (laughs) So we have molecules that are able to vaporize Mm -hmm. and those molecules, the vaporized molecules, the ones that turn into gaseous molecules, Mm -hmm. 
come up and hit our nose and hit our odor receptors. Mm-hmm. And that's how we smell things. And the odor receptors send a signal to your brain. Got it. Right. So there are kind of two classes of odor eliminators. Okay. And one truly chemically alters the odor. Okay. And the other is what I call cover-up smell. Mm-hmm. So the cover-up smell essentially just puts so much of another odor in the air that it overwhelms your odor receptor so you can't smell the bad smell anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other kind actually chemically alters it. Nice. Okay. This is a thing I've definitely wondered about. Mm-hmm. So a cover-up would be like a candle. Mm-hmm. Or just a good smelling spray with none of the actual absorbers in it. Right. The other kind, the odor absorbers, in this case, in the case of Febreze and a lot of other sprays, there's what's known as cyclodextrin. Okay. And cyclodextrin is a sugar-like compound, but it makes a ring with a hole in the middle. Uh Uh-huh. Kind of like a donut or the shape is really the, the exact shape is if you take an ice cream cone and you cut off the pointy part at the bottom. Mm. So you just have a ring that is larger at the top and smaller at the bottom, but it's open all the way down. And much like soap, the inside Mm -hmm. of the ring has intermolecular forces that bond with Certain types of organic compounds, a kind with no polarity. It's a nonpolar bonding. Okay. So odors can go and sit in that ring. Mm-hmm. The intermolecular forces will hold them in place and then they will not vaporize into the air. Okay. So they have chemically altered mm-hmm. the ability for these molecules to go into the air they're held in place there, and the odor is quite literally absorbed into the ring. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the inside is nonpolar. Right. Okay. And then the outside is polar? I think the outside is polar, although I most of the resources I read talked about the hole on the inside being nonpolar, also called Got hydrophobic. It. Right, right, right. Got it. So here's the thing about this. This type of chemistry is actually very, very common. And I can't Mm -hmm. believe we haven't talked about it yet at this point. Uh This is what's known as host-guest chemistry. So the cyclodextrin is the host and the Mm -hmm. odor molecules come and sit inside. And they are the guests. Got it. That is used all over the place. In fact, I even took a class on this type of chemistry. It's called supramolecular chemistry. So that's big molecules Mm -hmm. that will host other things. Not always. Sometimes polymers are classed in with supramolecular. But Mm -hmm. there's a whole section about host-guest chemistry in supramolecular chemistry. And when I was younger, I did research designing a host molecule that would capture arsenic. Mm -hmm. They use these to 
collect ions. There are certain types of molecules that will specifically bond with different sized ions. The cavity will be bigger or smaller to go with different ions. It's used for all kinds of stuff. They can use mm-hmm. it in medicines. It's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially because I think for most of us, hearing the phrase like host, guest, chemistry would be most of concern to us whenever we're hosting a party and we want to make sure we have a really good like vibe with our guests. <laughs> Were you just holding on to that that whole time? Yeah, I was just like, that's so funny because like you could just write that on a piece of paper and hand it to somebody. And the first way they would interpret it would be about like social chemistry. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like yeah. hosting guest. <laughs> well, in in my mind, the first place I would go to would be this. Yeah. Host that's, guest chemistry. That's so funny. It'd be like a, like, a, like a test to see if somebody is or is not a chemist with one phrase. Exactly. Sometimes people will do that same thing with unionized versus unionized. How do you read that? Oh. Which almost works, but I don't know that I ever talk about things being unionized, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I do talk about host guest chemistry. So this is a better version of that joke, but yeah. nobody would get it except for chemists and people who listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in this case, this host guest chemistry is responsible for eliminating odors by quite literally having a cavity or a hole that perfectly fits in nonpolar odor molecules. Mm -hmm. And this exact same molecule, cyclodextrin, is used not only for odor molecules, but for any nonpolar compound. So they're using it right now, testing using it in a polymer to make a filtration system where you can capture nonpolar organic molecules that are hanging out and contaminating water. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? So I envision a polymer with these just embedded in it and you can run it through water and it'll capture and hold in place all those nonpolar molecules that shouldn't be in your water. Yeah, interesting. So like yeah, for oil spills or something, yeah. Yeah, because water's polar and then it should be like so perfectly selecting the right things and leaving behind the things that don't matter. Interesting. Right. And in my textbook that I had from the class, they talk about cyclodextrin in a lot of different places, but sometimes to hold things in place, they'll have a surface. One, they were talking about a gold surface that had cyclodextrin rings all on top of it. Mm -hmm. And then they could use that as an anchor point to hold any kind of molecule with a nonpolar tail that could fit in there. Uh So the nonpolar tail would come and fit in. And then now you've basically created a surface that has whatever kind of molecule you want sitting on top or a surface that can capture molecules. It's really cool. (laughs) Interesting. That's so weird, dude. That's just kind of crazy. I know. It's really interesting. I almost would imagine it like a surface covered with tires or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's things that fit just perfectly in the tire. So then you can hold, you know, giant balls on top of the tires or something else that you want to sit. And so you can just cover a layer of a surface in something else or yeah. to capture something or whatever, which I think is really cool. Yeah, dang. Weird, dude. That's so crazy. Kind of feels like, a little bit like not chemistry for a second, partly because it feels like almost like tiny physics or something. I don't know what else you call it, but like, <laughs> because we're talking about like these little things that fit inside these things. And it's like, mm-hmm. just kind of weird because it feels 
because of these shapes we're talking about and things that fit in it, it feels a little bit not as much chemistry e as some of the other topics do. It's like yes, kind of mm-hmm. easy to imagine too. The yes, so easy to imagine, so natural yeah. and instinctive. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, I understand things that fit in other things and yeah. stick there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but what you said is important. It's not just about there's the shape and size like you talked about. So you have to have a cavity or a hole mm-hmm. that will fit the molecule, but also then it has to be the right kind of molecule that would interact because water mm-hmm. could go in and out of this and it would not want to bind to it. It would be afraid of those surfaces. It's hydrophobic, right. you know? Right. So water could move in and out and it would be fine, but something that was nonpolar would move in and be held. Or if something mm-hmm. was nonpolar and giant, it might not be able to get into that cavity and yeah. so then it would not be captured either. So it has to, you have to look at both of those things when you're looking at host guest chemistry is do I have the right type of intermolecular forces, the mm-hmm. return of intermolecular forces, and do I have the right size and shape cavity? We have to look at both of those things. Yeah, yeah. And I think this type of chemistry is a lot easier to imagine because they use a lot of phrases we understand. Like we know about cavities. We've seen cavities. We know about holes and things. Mm -hmm. Another type of host guest interaction is a tweezer. So it has two long arms and can just come and hold it. A different kind of host, you know, so it's things that we've seen and it's based off of real life things that we use a lot. It's much easier to grasp than Uh it is to grasp the basics of an atom or the way electrons move. We don't have as many examples of those in real life, but we do have examples of putting something into something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So that's it. And it may seem kind of simple Mm -hmm. that, Oh, okay. All that happens is Febreze traps these, the cyclodextrin and Febreze traps these odor molecules, but Mm -hmm. that's simple to you because you've been, listening to chemistry this whole past year and a half. So you know what intermolecular forces are. So we're not talking about, we don't have to talk about those, you know, about polarity, you know, all that stuff. So that is kind of your foundations have built up about chemistry to where this topic seems really simple. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. But it's also kind of cool because I think thinking about how could something actually not just cover up an odor, but eliminate it in a way, I think I thought, man, that'd be so hard. You'd have to have something to kind of go in to all these molecules and like change what they are or break them apart. But in this case, it's like, no, we'll like envelop it and keep it from, it still exists inside of this thing, but mm-hmm. whenever it enters our nose, we are receptors or whatever, aren't engaging with the actual odor molecule. So we don't smell it anymore. And Good. I was going to say, I'm not sure if it even gets to our odor receptors. I think it might make it to where it can't vaporize, so it can't even get to our nose. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so it can't even, yeah, so it can't be in the air in the same way and be a, like a tiny vapor that we can smell. But just that idea that it's doing it that way is kind of cool and sneaky, I guess. It kind of feels like <laughs> it'd be way harder to have something that goes in and kind of like busts up all of these odor molecules or chemically alters them at the very like breaking apart the atoms or something like that meth- uh, mm-hmm. level. But instead of just like covering it up, you know, and like holding it seems like a really sneaky way 
to do that and way more like way easier to wrap my head around. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so perfect that that kind of like, what did you say, cyclodextrin? Yep, cyclodextrin. That even exists already is like so perfect. This one was like, hey, wait a second. Why don't I get these guys over here to do that that already just exist in the world? It's so exciting. So clever. I love chemistry. (laughs) So let me sum that up sort of because I think one way to think about it would be that and this is probably intentional, the fact that cyclo is in the name of the molecule, cyclodextrin. Yes. Like all these little tornadoes are out there and they <laughs> only have eyes for the type of molecule that is also nonpolar, like the inside of the cyclone, the inside of the tornado. And so obviously we can harness that specifically to try to get at, at odor molecules that we know are nonpolar also. Mm-hmm. But really they are just like any tornado is just trying to destroy whatever. And in this case, it'd be only nonpolar things. So mm-hmm. it could be things that have an odor that we want to get rid of or things that don't, or it could be used to purposefully filter other things out of other stuff. But in general, it's just these little tornadoes that you can <laughs> unleash onto some nonpolar um, group of molecules and if they can fit in there then you'll be good for instance like a tornado can't really do much damage to like a mountain it's just too big mm, yeah it's just too big it's like kind of like mountains are like okay all right see ya like there's just no <laughs> like no relation at all but then all of us are like uh tornadoes are are huge that's a serious problem and we're worried <laughs> about they're it. so small yeah. yeah. The way I thought about it, that's a good that's a good visual image, especially the part about the mountain being too big. Yeah. I kind of thought about it like convicts and they're trying to escape or something. Uh-huh. And it just is a bunch of people grabbing them and holding them and they can't go. And they're only <laughs> looking for convicts. They're not uh-huh. looking for anything else. Yeah. And it's just some really big dudes that can grab the people and yeah. hold them in place kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and then they can't do any more damage. Yeah. They're not able to escape and do bad things like make yeah. your nose smell bad anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're trapped and held in place, neutralized by someone who's bigger and stronger and looking for them specifically. <laughs> right. 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 That makes more sense. Especially cause like a tornado it it breaks down because a tornado destroys stuff or just like spins it around and yeah. flings it. So that doesn't really work for our purposes here. But just the idea, the picture came to mind because of the shape of the molecule of like yes, that is tornado-y. the perfect shape. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is very tornadoy. Um, and and it holds it in there because of intermolecular forces. I want to mm-hmm. make sure I said the each piece of it or whatever. But uh, did I miss anything? What else? I don't think so. I think that's right. It has to be the right shape to hold something and it has to have the right kinds of intermolecular forces. And like I said before, we kind of skimmed over that stuff with intermolecular forces, but we talk in depth about this specific type of intermolecular forces on the very first episode on how does soap work. So Mm. you can go check that out and learn about intermolecular forces if you're a little bit like, wait, but how does it hold it in there? That's Mm -hmm. how. And then we had three other like kind of series in a row later um, that were different types of intermolecular forces in each episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Geckos and whatnot. 
So that's it. That's how some odor eliminators work simply by holding on to those odor molecules and not letting them run away. Dang, very cool. And then they can't get in the air to be in a vapor form to be smelled by us in the first place. Right, exactly. And that same type of technology is used in other areas in research a lot already. And they're specifically looking at using that as a way to filter contaminated water sources with nonpolar compounds such as oil spills or other organic molecules that are nonpolar that are in water that shouldn't be. Mm, mm. Yeah, it seems like there could be like a lot of uses for that. Oh, 100%. There are a lot of uses for this already. So that's really cool and exciting that that same, not only type of technology, but the exact molecule is one that I had learned about and heard about before. And I would be very surprised if host guest chemistry did not come back up again. I'm sure it will because it is so applicable and is in so many places. You jumped right into explaining jam. So I didn't have the opportunity to tease you Uh with a little fun fact or opinion that I have about this. Okay. Okay. Do we still get it? Even though I didn't read the terms and conditions before I signed up. (laughs) Yes, I definitely, you earned it. So, you know, it's about that, not about the fact that I didn't get to tease you, but One of the resources I used, and I use these a lot, is the ACS reaction videos. American Chemical Society has a series of videos about the reactions of chemistry in everyday life. Uh And they pose the question, how do you think you can have odor absorbers that absorb odors that also have a smell in them? Oh, huh. Mm, And I have a theory. But before I give my theory, I want you and everyone to stop and think and try to come up with your best guess. And then I'll tell you what my best guess is. And I didn't find any factual information about this anywhere. So this is just my best guess. But I want you guys to think about it. Use your thinking critically what I know about chemistry skills to see what you can come up with. So I used my imagination brain and I have just one theory that came to mind that, that I sort of stuck on. And I think I could maybe try to come up with others if I tried, but here's what really came to mind that I thought seemed the most simple. If you could make the good smell that you're trying to replace the bad smell with, Mm -hmm. if you could make the good smell molecule be polar. Yes. That was one of my theories too, is if it's polar it will not fit in. Yeah. It's, it won't stay in. And it wouldn't the even other, be attracted or whatever, like it wouldn't. Right. It could come in and pass out and it would be no problem, just like other polar items would. Yeah. The other thought is that it might be too big. Oh, uh, right. Right. Just make it, it could even be nonpolar, but just be mm-hmm. too large to fit in the cyclone. That was my theory. Yes. 
is if it's too big, it couldn't fit and it wouldn't have a smell or if it's polar. I don't know. I've never done smell chemistry. I don't know how to molecularly engineer smell chemistry. I think there are smells that are, or molecules that have a smell, I guess (laughs) I should say, that are polar. So I would suspect that they either utilize that or they utilize the size or maybe a combination of both depending on what scent they're going for. But that also could make it limiting because if it is a smell they want to have, but it's hard to get in Mm -hmm. those two categories, that could be a challenge. So that's why people and companies like Febreze hire chemists to work on stuff like that. Can you imagine if like when you looked at the chemistry and you tried to find either some like polar smell molecules that smell good Mm -hmm. or some smell molecules that are larger, too large to be, to fit into the cyclodextrin. What if like the list is kind of a weird hodgepodge of what smells? I feel like, okay, so (laughs) we've got cinnamon, we've got hibiscus and mint. That's it. That's all that can actually work chemistry wise. And it's just like, yeah, just like some (laughs) random ones. Yeah. Nobody wants their house to smell like that. Yeah. It's like, okay, great. We've got cinnamon for like, Mm, that works well for like the fall and like Christmas time, holiday time. But (laughs) (laughs) it's just like be funny to see what it'd be like if you had to be limited to only a few flavors and learning these like laws of nature that only allow you to replace with certain smells. And it's like, man, dang it. Okay. (laughs) Hope everybody likes me. I guess this is where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Great. Well, I'm glad that you you thought through that and came up with something that was really exciting. And I thought it was fun on the video. They posed that question and never answered it. So I <laughs> wanted us to spend some time thinking about it. I think that's great. Do you think they're planning to or did they just want to get people thinking? I think they just wanted to get people thinking and they didn't go as much into the host guest chemistry stuff. So I think it might have been a little bit harder from that episode to come up with it. But mm-hmm. I thought it was a really fun thing to do. So Dang, that's cool. I like that. Like a little chemistry riddle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solving mysteries. Is it time to talk about something happy that happened during our weeks? Yeah, absolutely. It's time. Do you have some something happy you want to share? Yes, I do. A small thing. So I, as you and the listeners, most of whom probably know I love coffee and I roast coffee just for myself and a few friends, not like crazy legit, but it is, I'm a home coffee roaster and I have had a coffee for like several months now that I bought a lot of like 40 pounds of. And just this past week got low enough on that coffee where it's time to start looking at different coffees again. just like everything fruits you know um and vegetables there's seasons for coffee and for different parts of the world that season's different and so at at any time you look and also just the fact that things have to ship from you know different countries to the u.s and stuff but anytime you look you never know what coffees might be available it's kind of a surprise sometimes it's a bad surprise because you're looking for something kind of specific and it's not going to be available Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just always changing all the time. So any of the places I look to buy coffee from there, the coffees they have available are always going to be different, varying from season to season. And so I went through the process, which is sometimes stressful, but other times really fun. This time it was fun to look for what coffee I was going to order next for myself and the people who 
who I roast for, um, kind of some neighbors and, and friends and stuff. And I got some, I'm pretty excited about one that I've liked in the past that was available again, that I got again. That's exciting. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I really love this, but it was out of stock. So it's, now it's back. Yes. Now it's back. And then I got a, a coffee that is a, um, I got a coffee that's a little bit unusual. It's from Colombia, but it's what's called honey processed, um, which oh, is interesting. a little different than, it's just not the normal way for Colombian coffees to be processed. They leave some of the fruit on while it's drying in the sun. And it, it has, um, that's normally a process you might see in, in parts of Africa, but not necessarily in Colombia. So that's pretty interesting. And then the last one is a decaf coffee that's decaffeinated through a slightly different process than I normally buy. Um, and it's called mountain water processed. And so I'm pretty excited to see how those go. I don't drink a lot of decaf, but two people who I roast for do. And so I'm just kind of interested to see how those turn out. And how exciting you've yeah. got some experiments kind of going, mm-hmm. you're trying new things, testing stuff out. Yep. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. And I've had this coffee for this other one that I'm almost out of for like a long time. So it's also just kind of cool to move on and drink yeah. something else. So how about you? What's your week been like? What's something happy that's happened? Well, my week has been kind of crazy actually, because this past weekend we had my mom's memorial uh-huh. and due to COVID and my sister lives out of town. So there was hurricanes to be contended with where mm-hmm. she lives, which kind of impacted us, you know, because of all that, it's been really hard to find a place where we can safely honor my mom Mm -hmm. and a time. And so it finally all came together where we were able to honor her this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And that was really sweet and special. It was very hectic and overwhelming and a lot of things to prepare for. But one thing I got to do that I had really wanted to do was sometimes people will make little garden cakes out Mm -hmm. of fondant vegetables. Uh And I saw that maybe two years ago. And I was like, I have to make this for my mom's birthday. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) then she passed away before I got the chance to do it. So that was what I wanted to do for her memorial with my family afterwards is Uh have that cake that I had always planned to make for her sort of as an opportunity to make one more cake for my mom. And so she grew in vegetables in her garden. So I specifically picked vegetables that she grew and Aww. made them out of fondant, which was something new that I haven't done before. And yeah, it was really, really fun. And so we had that. And some of my former students, they're now friends of mine, mm-hmm. Kristen and James, I'm going to give them a shout out, made us a full meal to eat after the memorial. Wow. <laughs> it was so nice because I had no plan. I texted my family, I've got a plan for <laughs> breakfast. I have a dessert afterwards and I have no plan for dinner. So do not ask me what I am doing because I don't have a plan. Yeah. And they just took care of it. They made us a delicious brisket, mac and cheese. It was wow. so nice. So that's way cool. Those that's, are a, sort of, that's a tough meal to make too. It's not like just like a, Hey, we threw a casserole together. It's like, that's some time and some energy. Oh yeah. And they made cinnamon rolls for breakfast the next day. It was really so thoughtful and exactly what we needed met a physical need that we had not had the capacity to think about. And so it was just really sweet and really special. So those are some highlights to something that was kind of bittersweet, some silver linings and some cool things that came out of it. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool thing. 
so that was my week. It was pretty, pretty hectic, pretty crazy, kind of challenging at some points, but also really nice to have some of those happier things. I think because some time has passed, you know, it's yeah. easier to maybe spend some more time celebrating and less time mourning. So it was kind of beautiful in that way. Yeah. I think that's awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for also jam was there at the Memorial safely social distancing with a mask on. Mm -hmm. So thanks for coming to that jam. Absolutely. And thanks for coming here today to learn about how odors work. <laughs> Odor absorbers, I guess work. Dude, thanks for teaching us very fascinating topic. And these topics like this are some of the coolest ones come from you guys. So if you have ideas of chemistry in your everyday life, things you think might have a chemistry explanation to some mystery that occurs, please let us know. We'd love to hear your ideas. Reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Gmail at Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, your life to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, go to ko-fi.com slash Chem for Your Life and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're not able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing to your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to be able to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Hefner and N. Newell, who reviewed this episode.